That went good. Okay, there we go. There we go. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Come on, can you give the sound guys just a, a round of applause? Those guys really are amazing. They do a lot of behind the scenes, and they get no credit for it except when something goes wrong, right? Okay. But I love Pastor John and Pastor Gwen, and one of the things I love about them is they just have set a family atmosphere here. Come on, aren't you guys glad they're very welcoming as a family? I mean, they're just amazing, amazing. So we're just going to do that today. I want you to stretch your hand towards that camera. We're going to bless our pastors today. Lord, we just say thank you for Pastor John and Pastor Gwen. We just bless them today. Come on, will you help me pray? I don't want to be the only one praying. Lord, we just speak encouragement over them. We just speak life over them. We declare the favor of God is chasing them down, God. We thank you for encouragement. We just thank you for supernatural healing in any area of their life where they need a healing. God, we just thank you for supernatural peace just resting upon them, that you have them, you're with them, you're for them, you're around them, you're in them. you got them covered today, Jesus. And we just bless our pastors in Jesus' name. Come on, can you just shout amen? amen. All right, all right. Well, you can have a seat. You can have a seat. Again, how many of you know during this COVID season, it's great to have a church family, isn't it? Man, more than ever... Um, people, we need a church family. So I want you to do a favor. You look around and you kind of know who's here, who's not here. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's the staff's job. That's the pastor's job to do this. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, not right now, okay, but after the service, I want you to get your phone out. I want you to make some phone calls, make some texts, and just tell, tell them, hey, we missed you today. Are you okay? How many of you will do that? You'll just kind of check on people. So how many of you would agree with me, really, seriously, 2020 has just been a challenging, a challenging year. Would you agree with me? And yet I believe in this season that we're in, our perspective is everything. Our perspective is a make you or break you thing right now. Matter of fact, let me just, let me just give you an illustration of something that happened kind of funny to me this week. Well, my, my son Davis... Him and his wife, uh, my, my, my daughter-in-law, Caitlin, moved back, and they're actually living with us. They were in McAllen, Texas, right on the border, and they just sold their house. Uh, about, uh, matter of fact, they're closing on They haven't sold it yet, but they moved back up here to the North Texas, and they're staying with us as they're looking for a house. And so the Tuesday, I, I took him out to eat. Um, him and I um, have two boys, and I took him out to eat, and, and uh, we just kind of hung out. And, and I got in the car with him, and I, I smelled something. I thought, man, something stinks. I kind of look over and I'm like, man, did he not take a shower today, man? Um, you know, so, and it kind of went away, so all oh, no, no big deal. And we got done with our, our, our supper and we're at home and, and we're on op- opposite ends of the, the living room. There's a couch over there and a kind of a love seat over here. And I, I, I smelled it again. I took a whiff and, man, something stinks. So I thought it was, well, maybe it's the blanket beside me because it can't be him. He's on the other side of the room, you know. So I picked up the blanket and smelled it. I thought, well, the blanket smells good. And okay, no big deal. Well, in just a few minutes, I went into the kitchen to get me some tea, and I smelled it again. Then I looked down on my shoes, and I had stepped in dog poo outside before we went out to eat. Guess what? It was me who stunk. It wasn't anybody else. It was me, and I had to clean some poo off of my shoes. I had to make some adjustments to make sure everything was right. Listen, here's what I want to just challenge us with today. It's very important in this season, especially in this season that we're in, to have a correct perspective about God, about your life as we're walking through some stuff. Listen, our perspective in this time 
if it gets out of whack, listen, we may try to blame other people. We may try to blame a political party. We may try to blame our boss, our spouse. And the truth be told, maybe we need to check our own attitudes. Come on. Maybe there's some stuff we need to clean off of our own shoes before we try to help somebody clean something off of their shoes, right? Maybe, maybe it's maybe. I'm just saying, just a thought, just a thought. Maybe it's us, right? Matter of fact, I want to show you this picture. I want to show you this picture. Luke's going to throw that up. I want to show you this picture that happened. Um, do we have that? This is a funny situation. A friend of mine that uh, travels all over the world, and he's a minister, he was traveling on a plane recently, and he, he was looking back on this plane, and here's this guy staring at him on the plane. And he has glasses on. He has his sunglasses on, and he's just looking at him and looking at him. And so after a while, he starts to get a little ticked. He says, why is that guy staring at me? He won't look away. He keeps staring at me. Every time he looked back, there's this guy looking at him. Matter of fact, he did this. He, he snapped a picture of it. He took a picture of it. Well, here's the crazy thing. When he gets off the plane, guess who got off first? That guy, and he had a, a walking cane. The guy was blind. Those, were, those weren't sunglasses. They were to protect his eyes. And so, again, again, I think in this season that we're in, our perspective, how we look at things is so important. And sometimes, truth be told, I don't know about you, but I'm not always looking at it correctly. So sometimes I just need God to come and, and, and kind of give me a little bit of adjustment. And, and so today, I, I kind of hope this is what's going to happen today. I want to I talk about when we have a right perspective, how do we do that? And what happens when we truly remember? I want to talk to you today about the power of remembering. Because the big key to living a holy, a victorious, Christian, abundant life, how many understand is to continually focus on Jesus? Come on, it's continually remembering and being grateful for all that Jesus has done in our life. Matter of fact, I want to look at this scripture with me. And Luke, or, or sorry, in 2 Timothy, I'm looking at Luke back there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. By the way, he just got married not too long ago, right? He's, he's a, he's a, yeah, listen, y'all give him his space a little bit, okay? He's, he's, he's a honeymooner, okay? He's a newlywed. He's going to need some space. All right. Anyway, anyway, let's, let's, let's read. Let's read. Okay, enough of that. Enough of that. 2 Timothy 1, 6. It says, therefore, Paul says, I remind you to stir up. And I love the, the, the Passion Translation says it like this. I remind you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Let me just ask you a question. Are you on fire today as much as you were when you first received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Or is this scripture for you today? Do you need to fan into flame? Do you need to rekindle? Do you need to stir up some of the fire of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Come on. He says, in the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then he goes on to say the verse that we quote a lot. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. But I love this because Paul is telling Timothy, he says, I remind you, Timothy. I want you to remember, Timothy. And he said in 1 Timothy 4, 14, he says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect it. In other words, if you neglect what you have, you know this, it doesn't necessarily go away. It just goes dormant. It's still there. Listen, the power of God is still in your life. The fire of God is still on the inside. The, the life of God is still in you. 
You and I are called, as Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, we're called to stir that up. That's not a preacher's job to do that. It's not a pastor's job to do that. That is your job. And he gives us the key, the way to reactivate it, the way to reactivate the power, the way to reactivate the life. He's simply saying is to do this, to remember. Or to remind yourself. To remind yourself to be grateful is about remembering how. Remember how God helped you the last time so you will remain encouragement in this season and not quit? Remember, God is the key to staying in faith. It's staying strong. It's staying full of life. So what happens? What happens when we fail to remember, we fail to stay grateful and forget how, how God came through for you the last time, how God touched you the last time, how God answered your prayers the last time, how God healed you the last time, how God gave you strength in that last season. What happens is simply this, we lose faith. We get discouraged, we quit, maybe we get a bad attitude, maybe you step in something, right? And so the key is you're going to have to clean something off, and you're going to have to move forward, and this is what Paul is telling Timothy here. He says, Timothy, Timothy, I want you to remember And I'm reminding you. That's why he says don't neglect. Don't forget, Timothy. Remembering stirs up your faith. It stirs up the gift of God in you. And God is saying again today, remember. Say that with me. Say remember. Say stay grateful. This is not for the bad, but in spite of the bad. You know, we're not grateful for COVID, but in spite of COVID, come on, we're going to be grateful. We're going to be, thank God that he's doing something, he's still working, he's still on the throne, right? Let your faith be strong. Not, don't forget, Paul is telling Timothy here. He says, I want you to think about it. I want you really to think about all that God has done in your life. Remember the miracles he did. Remember the faith that is on the inside of you. Remember the call of God. Remember the grace of God. Remember the goodness of God. Remember the blessings of God. Come on, how many are blessed? Come on, remember, just just repeat this after me. Say, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Come on, can we do it one more time? Say, I'm highly favored, I'm greatly blessed, I'm deeply loved. Yes, he said, remember, remember that. See, I believe the Spirit of God has sent me here today to encourage you, to remind you, to stay thankful, to stay grateful, to stay God-focused in spite of everything going on in your life right now. And I get it, I get it, I get it. Some of you, some of you have family, some of you have friends. that Man, they've just gone through incredible difficulties. I understand, I get that, I get that. But listen, in spite of all of that, God is simply saying to you and I as followers of Christ, I want you to think back to not only the dream I gave you, I want you to feel it again. I want you to allow those emotions of the dream that I put on your life that I haven't changed. Come on, how many know God has not changed his mind? He's not schizophrenic, aren't you glad? He's not, he doesn't say one thing and do another, or do one thing and say another, come on. He says it, he will do it, we can take it to the bank, right? So God's simply saying, I want you to feel that again. I want you to remember that. I want you to stir it up. And, you know, sometimes we're in such a difficult place. Sometimes we're in such a trying place or maybe even a spiritually dry place. And God's simply saying, I want you to fan into flame today. I want you to stir up your faith 
on the inside because I'm still sitting on the throne. I'm still God. I'm still hearing your prayers. I'm still answering. I still heal. I still deliver. I still can do miracles. And it's time that the church gets the power of God back into the house. Come on. He's still a God of miracles, isn't he? Matter of fact, let me, let me just say this. Uh, this is in my notes, but I just feel like I need to say this. I have a good pastor friend that he was on staff with us for years ago, and, and uh, about 12 years, uh, we launched him out, and he, and he started a church um, about 45 minutes north of us. And, and when all this went down, he said, you know, Pastor Phil, isn't it amazing that the government has said about the church, it's a non-essential. But can I, can I just tell you? That's not the government's fault. That's our fault. <laughs> because in a way, we really have been partly non-essential. We've been dormant. Where are the miracles? Where are the healings? Where are the deliverances? Where are all the, all the things that come on? We grew up experiencing on a regular basis in the house of God. We just kind of allowed it to go dormant. And I want to tell you, it's not gone away. It is still here. And what you and I got to do, we got to stir it up. We got to fan it into flame. We got to release the passion. And how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's what we're talking about today. The greatest way you and I get to do that is remembering and talking about what God did in our past. So, Pastor, I thought Paul said we're not to look backward to forget those things. No, he's not saying to forget what God did. He's saying to remind yourself what God did because if you can remember what God did, surely you can say, Lord, you can do it again here. I remember, I remember. I'm going to have something. Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalms 106. I want to show you this. I want to show you this simple principle that's so powerful. I believe this was Israel's greatest sin, and I want to, I want to show you this. It wasn't the sin of, of, of homosexuality, adultery. It wasn't the sin of murder. It wasn't the sin of lying. All those, those are sin, and those aren't good. He says this was the greatest sin that Israel committed was forgetting, not remembering, not staying grateful for what God did in the past. You know, we say, I don't know about you, but I say, oh, man, I'll never do that, Pastor Phil. I'll never do that. I would never be so hard-hearted as that. And yet, how many know it's so easy for us to forget? It's so easy for us to get in doubt. It's so easy for us to get in fear when circumstances are speaking something contrary to the Word of God. Come on, how many of you needed a financial miracle? You needed a supernatural provision, a healing in your body, a restoration in a relationship. You needed some strength in your journey, and God supernaturally provided for you. Can I see your raised hand today? Come on, come on. He supernaturally provided for you, right? Come on, keep it up one more time. Just look around the room. Just look around the room. Say, God is moving. God is still moving. And you know what all, all supernatural is? It's God putting his super on your natural. You don't have to be supernatural. You just stay natural. But you hook up to God who is supernatural. His super supersedes our natural. Come on, right? And so we're in a situation, and here we are again, our finances, our, our body, we need strength. And again, what do we do? We find ourselves, oh, God, where are you? God, are you going to answer this prayer again? Are you going to come through again? And listen, didn't it produce any faith in you last month for this month? Why do we so easily let go of our faith? Here's what Psalms 106, 6 and 7 says. I love this because David gets personal with it. He says, we've sinned with our fathers. How many know it's good to identify 
Matter of fact, let me just say this. If we don't learn how to identify with people's sins, and I'm not saying we have to experience the same sins, but we realize without the grace of God, that could be me also. People aren't going to come here because they're not going to come to a place that's being critical and judgmental and doesn't care about them. They want somebody to put their arm around them and say, I love you just the way you are, but I'm going to love you enough to not let you stay that way. Come on, right? So we've sinned with our fathers. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Look at this. They did not, what? One more time. They didn't what? They didn't remember the multitudes of your mercies or your kindness. Notice, notice it says, we've sinned with our fathers. We've committed iniquity. Listen, they failed to remember or they failed to reminisce about what God did, the miracles, the Red Sea, the water parting, the water out of the rock, his provision, how they ate manna, how God provided for them. And when they ran out, what were they doing? They were whining, they were complaining, God, where are you? If you left us to die in this wilderness, it'd be better for me to go back to Egypt. How many know we too can do the same thing? We too can complain when after God does a great work, God does a great miracle in our life. He, he provides a job for us that we need. We can't pay our rent. We can't pay our bills. And God supernaturally provides. Someone blesses us. Or maybe our marriage or our relationship is struggling. What happens? God comes through. He encourages us. And we walk through that, that valley difficult. And then now we're in this season. And what do we do? We forget about his goodness, don't we? We come to God and we get angry and we begin to work out all the scenarios of what it's going to do if God doesn't come through as if he's not going to come through. Then he comes through and what do we do? We humble ourselves. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I repent. I repent for doubting you. I repent for for not trusting you. I repent for not being grateful. Listen, here's what I'm going to say. We never change because we keep going around the same mountain Because we don't learn the lesson. See, we don't stay grateful in this challenging season because we refuse to remember what God did in our last season. We refuse to focus on or remind ourselves about what God did in our last season of challenge. And remember this. Remember, talk about it. Talk about your friends. We used to call it testimony. And Lisa just said earlier, you guys had a testimony service a couple months ago. Awesome. That's not just for a Sunday morning thing, right? Come on, talk about the goodness of God. Talk about how he's come through you. Talk about how he's given you peace. Talk about how he's strengthened you. Talk about the miracles that he's doing in this COVID season because I'm telling you, he's a God of miracles and he's still working miracles. (laughs) Talk about it. And when God does a miracle for you, listen, answers a prayer. Listen to this. There is an expectation that God puts on your life There is a responsibility that he places upon your life that he expects you to believe and step up in this situation this time. See, the Bible says Israel's greatest sin was not remembering. Israel's greatest sin was they forgot because they refused to stay grateful. They refused to stay thankful for what God did in their past. You know, I remember years ago, you know, John and I are cousins. We grew up part of our life in Iowa. Um, glad I'm not there right now. They just had a foot of snow in our hometown. Wow, yeah, thank you, Jesus, right? Matter of fact, I was telling Lonnie, my friend that came with me, man, I love, I love this colder weather that we're having around Christmas time. 
I, I don't like 70, 80 degree. I couldn't be in Florida for Christmas time. I mean, no, it's good, good to be in Texas. Aren't you glad you're a Texan? Yes. I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. All right. But in Iowa, we grew up, and, and we had a, a, a furnace that used um, kerosene oil to, to heat in the winter times. And in Iowa, where we grew up, it, it could get down into zero, but normally it was 30, about 20, 25 was the average temp- temperature at night during the winter time, and, and it would warm up, you know, 40s and 50s. And this, this particular winter, my dad had, had changed jobs, and financially, we were, just, we were just strapped financially, and we were down to 10 gallons of kerosene fuel in our, our um, heater, and the predictions were it was going to get cold, cold, cold for the next three weeks. So you know what my mom did, what she always did? I remember walked, walking in on her many times, and she was kneeling in a chair just praying. I could hear her verbally out loud praying and asking God. And so what'd she do? She got on her knees, and she prayed. Father, we don't have any finances. We don't have any oil. Lord, will you please, please help us? Check this out. Listen to this. This is a, this is a miracle. The next day, she goes out to the mailbox. In the mailbox, again, she hadn't told any relatives. She hadn't told any friends. Just her and God, her and God, and just you know, family that heard her prayer, like me, heard her pray. Goes in the mailbox and opens it up, and there in the mailbox, not in an envelope, just laying in the mailbox was a $100 bill. God provided. And can I tell you, her testimony still to this day encourages me when I'm faced with a difficult financial situation. I remind myself, God, I remember my mama getting on her knees and praying and saying, God, we need money. And God, you supernaturally sent money. God, I know if you did it for her, you will do it for me. And I'm reminding you, God, of who you are. I'm remembering your faithfulness to us. That testimony has encouraged me and challenged me through my life. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Your testimony has the ability to encourage other people other than just you, if you'll share it. So why Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Everybody loves talking about the blood of the Lamb. And how many are you thankful for the blood of the Lamb, right? But it also says by the word of your testimony. Come on. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about the blessings of God. Remind yourself. Remind others how good God is, how faithful he is. As a matter of fact, you need to remind others when they're discouraged. That's why we need church family, right? That's why we need, hey, John, remember? remember not, not my cousin, John. If there's another John here, Lonnie. Okay, I'll pick on Lonnie here. Remember, Lonnie, remember when that God came for you? You were telling me that story. and Remember how he did this and how he did that. And what are you doing? You're reminding him of what he told you that maybe he's not remembering that you're going to encourage him to remember. That's what happens when we get around other believers. We remind each other of the testimonies that they share. And all of a sudden, what happens? Faith begins to rise in their heart. And when faith arises in their heart, there's an atmosphere over their life that changes that you literally get to participate in the changed atmosphere because you're hanging around them. What would happen? Next Sunday morning, if we all came in here and we all had an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of encouragement because we were talking about the goodness of God all week, we were encouraging other people, and we just brought that in here with us, and we are such an atmosphere of expectancy. Can you just imagine what God could do in this house next Sunday if we did that? Could you imagine how good Pastor John would preach if you did that? Because you know, the preacher only preaches as good as you put a demand on the anointing that's placed in his life. 
And I know my cousin John, he's an anointed man of God. He's a phenomenal speaker. He's a phenomenal preacher. But can you imagine how much better he could preach if you start demanding, God, I think my pastor's going to preach the best message he's ever preached before. Although, let me tell you a short story real quick. Years ago, John, I think they've been here 27 years. Pastor in here, or is it 25? Is that about, how many of you remember? I know some of you might remember. It's been a long time. Well, years ago when he was downtown around Fort Worth, he invited me to come speak. And so after the service, this, this elderly lady came up to me, and Pastor John is right here, and she said, Pastor Phil, that's the best message I've ever heard in this place. So, John, don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. All right, all right. <laughs> but seriously, what would happen? If we come in next Sunday with such an expectancy that we're just expecting God to do something powerful because our faith level is so high because we've been talking and talking and talking about the goodness of God. We've been remembering. We've been reminiscing about how we did this and how we did this because, again, if we're not careful, we'll be just like the children of Israel will forget. So what do we do? From time to time, we need to remind each other. Look at this scripture as well. This is what David said in Psalm 77. I'm starting to wrap that, this up. He said, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Okay. <laughs> he said, I said this in my anguish. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Notice he said, in my anguish. Notice, I'm going through a difficult time, but what am I going to do? I'm going to remember. So I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works. And look at this. Talk of your deeds. So I'll remember. I'll meditate on all your works and I will talk of your deeds. There's something powerful when we remember. And David understood this. That's why he said in the midst of my anguish, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to remember. I will talk of your deeds. I'm going to recall to remembrance everything you've done in my life, God. And there is something miraculous in an area of deliverance that takes place in our lives when we begin to remember God's yesterdays. This is what I'm saying. That's what God wants out of you, out of me. He wants a lifestyle that meditates on His Word and remembers His deeds and talks about what He is done. Isn't it amazing? You can sit around your family and we'll talk about everything. We'll talk about the movies. We'll talk about the, the, the arts. We'll talk about all kinds of things. But how often do we just talk about, hey, let me just share with you what God's doing in my life, kids. Let me just share with you the, a miracle that just happened. You and you, you kids might not even know, but me and mom were walking through this and we prayed and here's what God, let, let, let's just share that. Listen, do that. He says to talk about his deed. And here we are, David is trying to teach us that when you create this lifestyle, when you talk about what God has done, when you meditate on his provisions, when you meditate on and remember his wonders, that you begin to feel the atmosphere over your life with the presence of God. And listen, the presence of God changes everything in your life. Matter of fact, the presence of God in your life is what separates you from any other person on this planet. It's not your giftings. It's not your abilities. It's not your finances. It's not your good looks. Some of you are very good looking, though, by the way. Listen, that's not what separates you. What separates us from the world is the presence of God. It's not because we're smarter, better, wiser than them. We just have the presence of God. Isn't that what Moses said to God, God says, go on, and I'll send angels. He says, no, 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 God, if you're not going with us, I ain't going either. 
Because it's only your presence that's going to distinguish this nation from every other nation in the world. Why? Because when you get the presence of God in your life, you get blessed. You prosper. You succeed. You have wisdom to make right choices. You have wisdom to say no to that thing and yes to this thing. That's what the presence of God does. And that's what he's saying here. So look at this. Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. This is really my last scripture I'm reading. He says this. He says, I will not hide them from their children telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. Everybody say, your children. They should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them. Listen, one of the reasons John and I are in the ministry is we have a family legacy. You know, the Millers, and he's a Miller, and my mom was a Miller. My mom and his dad were were first cousins. And so the Millers, there was such a godly legacy on the Miller side that I remember at family gatherings, they would sit around and they'd be talking, drinking coffee, and they would start telling stories about the goodness of God. And I remember John and I just sitting at their feet listening to the stories. I remember hearing them talk about the goodness of God and, and what God and some of them went through the depression, how God miraculously provided this and took care of that and took care of this and, and and so we grew up in that culture and this is what he's saying here that you will teach them you will talk about them to your children that they'll make them known to their children the generation to come might know them the children who would be born that they may ra- arise and declare them to their children so you see this God does something in your life right here. A miracle. He answers a prayer. How many know answer prayer is a miracle? He does something in your life. What you're you're called to do is to testify. Well, can I just tell you how God answered my prayer? I was praying at the donut shop for a front row parking spot, and there it was. I pulled in. Hey, how many know that's a miracle? Said the man who finally going around ten times the block, there it was. All right, okay. I'm just kidding you. But you pray, you pray a simple prayer, and God answers it. So what do you do? You, you tell people about it. And what happens? They're going to tell somebody who might tell somebody, who might tell somebody over here that needed to hear that story of encouragement because they're right at the beginning. They're way over here where you were beginning at, and they need that same miracle. And what can happen is because you're telling the story, the story's getting repeated. All of a sudden, faith is arising in their heart. And do you see how the generation, it's being passed down. They're being encouraged with your testimony. And so what's going to happen? That's going to be perpetuated. They're going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody who's going to need a miracle. And this is what he's talking about. Did you know? Raise your right hand with me and say, I'm called to be a preacher. <laughs> somebody put that down real quick. No, I'm not. Ah, I don't want that. Because this isn't the only preacher in the house today. You know, Pastor John stands up here, or Pastor Gwen, or whoever's preaching here. They're not the only preacher. You are a preacher. Your life is declaring something to someone that can encourage them in a way you'll never know how you're encouraging until maybe you get to heaven. So here's what he's saying. He says that their children and their children's children may know. And then verse 7, I love this. Check this out that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. 
Matter of fact, if you read all of, of Psalm 78, the whole chapter is about not forgetting. It's about not forgetting. What happens when we fail to remember? What happens to a generation that has no expectancy that miracles are supposed to be a normal part of the Christian experience? What happens? We walk through life with religion. We walk through life just going through the motions with no expectancy, no faith arising in our hearts. We walk through life just expecting, well, this is just the way it is. This is just the way it is. Or it is because I'm working hard, I'm, I'm diligent, I'm determined. And, and listen, there's some things you're going to get yourself into or God's going to allow you to get into that you're going to have to have God on your side to get out of. And God didn't do that to punish you. That's why I believe COVID is not the worst thing that happened to the church. I believe it's the best thing that happened to the church. Because what it's done to me is wake up. Why are all these people who have preconditioned sicknesses that are prone to be COVID, why haven't we healed them before COVID even comes? They shouldn't even be that way. They should be walking into churches and God's healing them. His supernatural power is being released. And that's the next wave that's coming in America to the American churches. We're going to see miracles breaking out like we've never seen miracles break out before. And I'm not just talking about the church building. I'm talking about when you go to work, the Spirit of God's going to come on you. Pray for John. Pray for Susan. Sorry, I keep saying John's name. Sorry, John. <laughs> pray for them. Wow, they're sick. So what are you going to do? You're just going to, hey, can I pray a prayer for you? And listen, some of those powerful prayers in the Bible are short prayers. It had to be a long, eloquent prayer. Lord, I just pray you touch him in Jesus' my name. By the blood of Jesus, heal him. Amen. Boom, he gets healed. That's what the new wave is, is, is getting ready to come forth to the church. To those who listen, though, here, here's, here's, the, here's the clincher, and I'm, I'm starting to wrap up. To those who will choose to believe and remember, and as Paul said to Timothy, stir up, fan into flame the passion, the life that is inside of you as a follower of Christ. Come on, put your hand on your belly and say, there is power inside of me. So when we don't remember, we walk through life with tradition. We walk through as a group of believers. We have a Christianity without power. We say, Lord, I want to believe, yet we refuse to believe that God can. And the reason we refuse to believe that God can is because we are not remembering what he already did. Because what he already did was to encourage me and have faith for this thing, and this thing is to have faith for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But I'll never get to the next thing unless I remind myself about what God did in my last season. How many know? Sometimes that's difficult because it looks like, God, there's no way. But if you remember, the last time, it didn't seem like there was a way. Come on, have you forgot it already? Some of you here, your marriages were almost destroyed. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. What did God do? He did a miracle. He changed that person's heart towards you. He did a heart surgery in them, spiritual heart surgery. Come on. And what do you got to do? You got to remember because in this season, maybe it's not a marriage that you need, but maybe it's a relationship with your son or your daughter. And you say, okay, God, you did it to my spouse. God, I didn't think there was any way you're going to help us get back together. God, they said we're over. It's over. And God, look what you did. 
Or maybe it's financial. Come on, can you remember? Just like I said, my, my mom, that $100 bill, I'm telling you, has built my faith in so many things when I've needed $10,000. Lord, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. I don't know how you're going to come through, but I remember, Lord. I remember you did it there, so God, you're a God of miracles. I don't know how you're going to do it. My job isn't to figure out how. My God, job is just to believe. And listen, you won't believe unless you keep reminding yourself and being thankful and being grateful and talking about what he did in the last season. That's why our conversations in the, in the foyer and everywhere we go today is, okay, God, what'd you do? Remember when God did this? Remember when God did this? Remember when so-and-so that happened there? Remember that so-and-so happened here? And you remind yourself what God's done. Because here's what the Bible says. I love this. It's my last scripture, and I'm really closing with this. He says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Never doubt his ability to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So I just want to ask you a question. What do you need to remind yourself about today? What struggle are you currently facing? What situation are you in that maybe it looks a little impossible? And maybe the doctor has even said, there's no way, you're just, you're just going to die. There's a death sentence on your marriage. There's a death sentence on your relationship. There's a death sentence on your finances. What is it that you need to remind yourself about? about the goodness of God. And we say, oh yeah, I know God can. I know he can, but I just don't think he will, Pastor Phil. Really? Then you don't know Abba. You don't know Daddy God. Do you remember the man who came to him and he, he, he needed healing? He said, Lord, you can heal me if, here's the big thing, if you're willing. And Jesus says, man, I'm willing. I'm willing. Now, I don't always understand why God doesn't? Can I just be honest with you? I'm going to anyway, so sorry. <laughs> September 21st, my father-in-law died. He didn't die of COVID. He battled cancer for 10 years. Didn't have, have COVID. As a matter of fact, they really said he was only going to live about two and a half years. I can never remember the name of the bone cancer, some sophisticated name. And, and honestly, it, it was one of the most difficult things me and my wife walked through. And part of it was because we were totally convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was going to get healed on this side of eternity. God gave us a word. He said, when the patriarch of the house is healed, and, and he is one of our elders in our church. He's my father-in-law, but he'd been in that church before I was even in that church. And just a godly man. And so a prophetic word came about two and a half years before that. said, when the patriarch of the house is healed, revival will begin. And so we were in a prayer meeting about six weeks before he, he died. And I wasn't actually in the meeting that the prophetic word was given. How many know the prophetic word can just change your life forever? Do I have a few more minutes? Okay, okay. Here's what I love about the prophetic. Because you're at A, and God will speak to you the Z. Here's what I see finished. How many know on the cross Jesus said it's almost accomplished? What did he say? It's finished. 
So when God gives you a prophetic word, he says, here, it's finished. Our role isn't to figure it out, work it out. Our role is just to believe. Okay, God. And then just trust him. When he tells you to do that, do that. When he tells you to go there, go there. Just follow him. Because it's a done deal. If God spoke it in your life, it's a done deal. All you got to do is believe. And so we knew that. God gave us a prophetic word. And, and so we're six weeks ago, we were in a, another intercession meeting because I know like you guys during the season in our church is praying like crazy um, for revival and a spiritual awakening. Matter of fact, I'd encourage you to say this. Don't pray for revival anymore. Thank God that revival's here. Because it's already, it's already God's will. So why do we need to beg him to do what he's already willing to do, right? We just need to walk in it. We just need to declare, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a revival. I am being revived. I'm a revival right now. And so when you start declaring that, what's happened? You're going to start living up to who you really are because that's the way God sees you in his eyes. You're revived. Okay. Back to my story. So we were praying, and God gave us another prophetic word for him. And the lady that was in that meeting with all of our intercessors stepped up and said, well, I, I don't know if you know this, Pastor Phil, and Patrice, my wife, was with us in our, in our, our intercessor meeting. Matter of fact, they're the, my, our favorite meetings in the whole church is on Tuesday nights. I'd rather do Tuesday nights than Sunday mornings. Shh, don't tell nobody, okay? Because <laughs> it's just fun. And Lonnie's with us. He comes all the time. I mean, it's just you never know what's going to happen. It's fun. And so they stepped up and they said, here's, here's what the, Lord, the word of the Lord, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And we're like, yeah, because we knew in our hearts that God was healing. Well, September 21st, he went into the hospital and he, he, he died. And so we're, we're devastated. Um, our faith, my faith in God is not wrecked because I know I will trust God. Like Job, though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. My problem is my perspective. I don't always understand why God does what he does, how he does it, but I know I can trust him. I know he's good. And that's just a confidence you've got to get in your, in your heart. And the longer you've walked, and some of you in here that are older, you've walked with God a long, long time. And I'm telling you, this younger generation needs you. They need that confidence that God's already put in your life. You may not feel like you can get on the stage and dance and shout and jump around, but I'm telling you, they need you. They need the confidence and the faith that you've walked through that you can pass on to them in the seasons that they're in. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. So we're just in the season that I, I don't understand it, but I'm just declaring revival is here because you said, God, when the patriarch of the house is, 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 is healed, that revival's here, and he was healed. And so we've just declared revival's here, revival's here. And God is beginning to do phenomenal things in our church. I don't have time to, to go into that. But here, here's, here's what I want to encourage you today is. Again, what area of your life are you struggling with? What area that you're walking with or you're facing with today, do you need a supernatural breakthrough? Do you need a supernatural provision? Do you need a supernatural touch? Do you need a supernatural healing? Do you need supernatural strength? Do you need a supernatural restoration in your life? I want you to think about this just a moment. What area in your life, because I am not here by accident. I believe God sent me here today to encourage you so you can encourage somebody who will encourage somebody who will encourage somebody. But I want to challenge you. If that's you, you say, Pastor Bill, yeah, I, I need I, I have a need in my life today that I need God to do something supernatural. If that's you, I want you just to stand up. I want to pray over you real quick. And then Lisa's going to come and close our service out. If you're saying, man, Pastor Phil, that's me. I have this area in my life. I need a supernatural touch, a supernatural miracle. I need something God to do in me that I, I, just, I just don't know how it's going to get done. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Will you just audibly right now 
begin thanking God. If you're standing, here's what I want you to do. I want you to audibly release your gratefulness, your praise, your thanksgiving to God for what he did in the past. Come on, right now, audibly, will you just say, God, thank you for doing that. And he said, well, Pastor Phil, I can't remember. We'll say, Lord, bring back to my remembrance what I need to remember. Come on, will you right now just remind him, like I said with my mom, that, that $100, thank you, God, for $100. Thank you for provision. Come on, if he's provided in your past financially, if he's provided in the restoration, if there's been re- re- restored relationship, if he's healed sick bodies, come on, if he's touched you in a supernatural way, you were here at the altar, and Pastor John or Pastor Gwen or one of the team laid hands on you and God supernaturally strengthened you. Come on, will you remember that? Will you rehearse that right now? Will you just talk to God out loud verbally about that right now? Will you say thank Thank you, God. I'm reminding myself. I'm calling to remembrance the touch of God, the hand of God, the peace of God, the strength of God that came on my life in that season. And, Lord, I'm saying thank you that if you did it then, you surely can do it again. Come on, God, if you did it then, you surely can do it again. If you did it then, you surely can do it right now. God, you're no respecter of persons. Come on, come on, right now, just for a few more minutes. Come on, three more seconds. Come on, audibly out loud. Will you just remind yourself? Because what's happening is faith is arising in this house. Faith is arising in your life. Come on, there's a bubbling over. There's a, a presence of God. There's a strength of God. There's a peace of God. There's faith arising in your heart. And with faith, you can please God. Come on, you God pleasers here today. Come on, there's faith arising. There's faith arising. And Lord, we say thank you. As we break off our life, all the discouragement, we break off all the hopelessness. I know Pastor John is in a a series of hope. God, we thank you that there's an expectancy on our lives that you're still good, you're still moving, you're still healing, you're still delivering, that you're still working miracles. God, there's a hope rising up in our heart and we break off all heaviness, we break off all oppression and depression and God, we release faith into this atmosphere. We release faith into our lives. Thank you for finances. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for the touch of heaven coming upon our lives. We thank you for supernatural touch. Come on, some of you right now, you need to remember that touch of God. Come on, where he touched you. Come on, that feeling you felt. Remind yourself of those feelings, that touch. God, we say thank you today. Thank you today for the touch of God upon our life. Thank you for those prophetic words that we receive. We remind you about them right now. We remind you, come on, just remind yourself about the prophetic words that God spoke over you, that spoke over this house. Come on. Lord, we say thank you. Come on, everybody else, will you just stand to your feet? Will you just begin with us? Come on, just for one more minute, one more minute. We just thank God for his goodness in your life. Come on, will you thank him for all the blessings in your life? Come on, will you verbally out loud? Will you begin thanking him for your provisions? Thank him that you got food on your table. Thank him that you have a roof over your head. Come on, thank him for his grace that's been imparted to you. Thank you for strength in the journey that you're walking through. Thank you that the joy of the Lord is your strength, that there's fresh joy arising up in your heart. There's fresh joy, there's fresh joy. And Lord, we say thank you. We come against every demonic assignment. And this season to try to silence our voices. God, to try to silence the voice of the church, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, we declare fresh joy rising up, that there's going to be laughter, there's going to be smiles. God, there's a supernatural strength coming upon your house that the world is going to look at and see, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? And we can say and point to one thing and one thing only. It's because of our relationship with Almighty God. It's because the relationship with Abba. He loves me. He's for me. He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed in me. He loves me. And so, Lord, we just say thank you today for your goodness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pause just 
one moment. I know, I know Pastor John will allow me to do this, but if you're here, I want to give you an opportunity to get right. If you're not right with God, maybe you just come to this meeting and you know, maybe a friend invited you or a loved one and, and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We want to pause. Listen, we're not pressuring anyone. If no one raises their hand, that's okay. But we just want to pause and give you an opportunity to make things right with you and God. And if you're here and things aren't right with you and God or you need to come back to God, will you just do me a favor? On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand up. You're not joining the church. We're not asking you. I know Pastor John will let me say this. We're not asking you to join this church. We're asking you to join the church, the family of God. Listen, family is so important to Pastor John and Pastor Gwen. They want you to be a part of a family. But the most important family to be a part of is the family of God. So if that's you, on the count of three, you say, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life. I want to surrender my life to him because I haven't surrendered some areas. There's some areas I'm doing what I want, when I want, and I need to surrender those today. If that's you on the count of three, will you just lift your hand? One, two, three. Is there anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else on the count of three? Thank you. Thank you. Let me just pray a, a, a quick prayer for you, and then I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. Father, we say thank you for those who made a decision for you today. Thank you, God. You know what they're wrestling with because you know what it feels like to wrestle because you wrestled with the devil 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And, God, you know what it feels like, and that's why you're such a great Savior. Because you're not belittling us. You're not beating us over the head because of our wrestling. But, Lord, you've also showed us how to surrender it to your Father. So, Lord, I thank you for those who raise their hand that you begin supernaturally speaking to them and encouraging them. Holy Spirit, that you begin showing them in your word, God, how to surrender in this area of their life. And, God, I break off all the condemnation, all the false guilt, the enemy would throw on their life because you've not condemned us. You're not mad at us. You're not disappointed in us, Father. Because if we're disappointed, that means we diss an appointment. We miss an appointment of failing you. And you knew every time we are going to fail you, and yet you made a provision through the cross of Calvary. And so, Lord, I just speak a blessing over every single one of them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everyone else here, will you just lift your hands? I just want to put a blessing upon your life if you're here. You don't receive a blessing. Will you just lift your hand? Father, I thank you for every hand lifted. I speak a blessing of health over their life in this COVID season. God, I declare the, the blood of Jesus covering them, that COVID cannot cross the threshold. Thank you that we have a covenant promise with you. And, Lord, I bless them today. I speak peace over them. I speak the grace of God to rest upon them. God, I thank you that you've not called us to be successful. You've called us to be faithful. And, God, I thank you for faithful men and women. They're even here today on this Sunday morning. God, they've assembled together as you've called us to do. And I bless them for just simply obeying your word and obeying what they know to do, Jesus. Encourage and strengthen them in your mighty name, Lord. Amen and amen.